Kelly Tucker. Welcome to the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. Delighted to have you on the show and meet you in person. For those that don't know you, can you tell the audience about what you do right now? Sure. Um, first of all, thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. Um, so I own and run a HR consultancy called HR Star. We are based in the Cotswolds, however, we provide HR support to uh, businesses throughout the UK and we're on a mission to change HR's lame reputation. So basically what that means is when I was working in-house as HR manager, I got sick and tired of um, people sort of making decisions, leaders making decisions and kind of wheeling HR in, you know, after the decision had been made, mm. hire, fire, to kind of say, this is what we need to do now. And 99% of the time, it would affect the people. Yeah. Um, and it was just really frustrating that I didn't have a seat at the table. So I started HR, started to do HR differently to really focus on employee engagement and take a proactive approach to HR so that... We know that proactive teams are more motivated and more productive, so it makes really good business sense, but it's still shocking how many business leaders don't kind of take that seriously, see it as fluffy. So uh, that's what I do. I work with my clients to build and maintain highly engaged teams. That really resonates with some of the stuff that I do in terms of like the softer skills Mm. and leaders being a bit too dictatorial and kind of one-dimensional with their mindset and kind of just sort of pointing fingers. So... And I found it reasonably difficult to change that dynamic, but it's now working. And I know how I've done it, but with HR especially, you know, even in the recruitment sector, that HR is seen as kind of like blockers or, you know, admin mm. people, or yeah. they don't really add value. So how did you kind of change that tack? Good question. Um, I'm still trying to change, to be honest. Mm. I think... It's about, you know, educating business leaders, trying to show them, like you say, HR has had a reputation where it's, um, you know, a service provider. It can be very traditional, straight-laced. I'm I'm the opposite of that. and I think it's just talking to them and making them see that actually it's, you know, doing employee engagement is not fluffy. It's not yeah. a nice to have. It is business hmm. essential. So it's, you know, it's doing my research. I've spent a lot of time researching this stuff and trying yeah. to find out, you know, why things work, why they won't. And then getting the data on that stuff to show them the impact it has on business to their bottom line. And also just showing them sort of in practice, that, you know, those businesses that were hmm. kind of welcoming of it because they could see that there was a clear benefit. Yeah doing the work for them them seeing that you know it was having a positive impact and then getting you know referrals and being able to give case studies and sort of growing that way the pandemic did massively help Mm. um obviously businesses were suddenly put in a position where you need to close or work from home got to furlough your staff so many people like what the hell's furlough so HR really then sort of had to step up and you know we spent a lot of time during that time supporting clients with furlough restructuring etc but also really thinking about as we came out come out of the pandemic what do we want to be known for at HR so what are the things that we really want to do so Mm -hmm. that's where we had that time that moment to press pause I suppose from the day to day and really think about okay we know we love employee engagement we know we're good at it let's really focus on that and let's shout about that and let's you know try and be known for that I'm going to dig into that now actually Um, we'll go into your journey as well but I mean the words employee engagement normally make businesses skin cold I think it's just some sort of survey where you've you've got one to five options and it's but there's so much more deeper meaning Mm. and deeper outcomes with that isn't there so talk a bit more about what you deem employee engagement to be Mm -hmm. in those kind of that kind of thing Okay, yeah, there really is. For me, there's, you know, 
there's some key areas that we need to be focusing on to ensure that we are, have got an engaged team. The first thing that we always like to start with is values. Yeah. So um, company values. Most companies now, I'd like to think, do have values. If yeah. they don't, they need to get some. Um, and then <laughs> we, we will either work with a business to define those values mm. or if they've got them, we'll look at them and maybe refresh them because yeah. I think what we have to make sure is those values are actually real and true. So it's all very well putting some great words on a poster on oh, a wall and totally. say, these are our company values. Cool. I like, say this every day verbatim. It's just like, yeah, I mean, it's one of the most important vision and values is the most, but again, that's deemed as fluffy, right? Isn't yeah. It? hundred percent it's like no your vision of value is like where are you trying to get to yeah. and what are you going to value to get you there and, along the way and make your decisions based on those yeah. values as well hundred percent so yeah. yeah so we'll take the values whether they've got them or not we'll create them we'll refresh them mm. but we'll always involve the people on that that process of defining values because we need buy-in and we need to make sure that we're not just wheeling out some values and the, then the, the people receive those and go that's not us. That's not what we do here. Yeah, so it shouldn't be just the leadership team's vision. It's no. kind of like our vision, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We want everyone in the, in the business mm. to buy into that and feel mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a starting point. And then we take those values and we weave them through all the people processes. So we'll yeah. basically map out that employee journey. So from right. attraction to when we're going out to recruit people, yeah, yeah, how yeah. we're using our values to ensure that we're recruiting yeah. people that are going to come in and be culture add and align to our values and, and invest in and want to get on board with that. Right. So, I mean, I've seen your content on LinkedIn and it's, it's fucking great. The reason why I think it's great is because it's real, it's authentic and it's you. And I think, do you think that's how you've kind of broken through it? Because there's so many, with, with the greatest respect, there's so many kind of HR consultants, mm. people out there. Yeah. And I think, I think what you've done very well is kind of just, you've broken down the barriers of conformity or of how to engage and communicate with people. Yeah, I do think so. I think... Not everyone obviously loves my content or or agrees with what <laughs> no. I'm doing or saying, yeah. and that's fair enough. Yeah. But I am, a, you know, a strong believer in I value what I value. I am what I am, and I'm doing what I do. I've done it now for so many years. I know that it works. So yeah. I think that also has given me the confidence to be able to speak up and say, I know this stuff works, and this is how I do it. And yeah, I think it has also opened doors for other HR professionals to think, oh, actually maybe we can talk like this, maybe we can be as direct as this, because yeah. I do get people contact me and go, you know, I love your content, I, you know, I totally agree with you, um, I yeah. wish I had somebody in my business work, like, like you working on our HR, etc. Exactly. So, just, yeah. just because you're a leader, just because you're HR, yes, you have to follow pr- policies and procedures, but you're also a human being, I yeah. think that's the difference with you, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. I always say that, you know, we're very like yeah. human led, we're people focused, everything we do is, is for the people. But, but if you look at a business, without your people, 99% no. of business probably couldn't operate anyway. So why would you not look after your people? Why would you not spend the time yeah. and money on engaging them, motivating them, making sure they're happy? Because they're going to be more productive for you. They're going to have less time off sick. They're going to have less performance issues. Yes. They're less likely to leave. All those things that cost businesses so much yeah. time and money. Yeah, rather than, oh, um, Kelly, can you do an exit interview now? Yeah. Like way after the events, you know, after the yeah. horse has bolted kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can. But you know, I can keep doing exit interviews yeah. for you. But the, the data's coming back and saying the same thing. So let's should we fix this stuff? Yeah, so let's that's do something different. That's where yeah. I think you know I, I'm mm. on a mission to be very different. Yes, we all do exit interviews and we'll do performance, um, you know, management, etc. But for me, there's so many more things you could be spending your time doing yeah. that would stop those things happening but it's about managing the individual understanding the individual motivations and drivers and not having one size fits all but 
operationally you could have all the bells and whistles and tools and things in place but if you don't mm. understand what's going on with that person outside of work as well and what drives them and mm-hmm. if they've got any kind of well-being problem i think it's i think it's it has become something that's been swept under the carpet but i've noticed over the last five years that's really changed 100 percent. i think the pandemic has massively excelled that i think because obviously we had to look at flexible hybrid working which yeah. you know a few years ago, four years ago, three, four years ago, you would never imagine that the majority of the, of the workforce was hybrid What's your working. View on that? Go on. What's your, have you got any controversial views on work from home, work from anywhere? So <laughs> I, I believe that people should hybrid work. Yes. I don't believe in 100% work from home. Mm-hmm. For, for, for various reasons. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we are humans, we need social interaction. I don't think it's good for somebody to sit at home and their work and home environment to be the same place, to not leave that on a, you know, very, very often, etc. Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely massive pros for home working. I, for one, if I'm working on a project, I need to get my head down, I would, I'll do that at home so I can because I do get easily distracted as well. Yeah, so I need I'm like to be at home like, and also it's nice to be able to put a load of washing on or, you know, yeah. take a delivery, etc. Um, but I think like being in the office or being around your co-workers is so so important i Mm. notice it in my team if we've gone for a couple of weeks where we haven't been able to all get together for various reasons i really notice then that the communication isn't so good or i don't feel as connected to my team i'm not Mm. 100 sure what's going on with all my clients yeah and and it makes such a difference when we do all come together and work together so um at hr star we're hybrid we're two days in the office three days at home I think things change. I mean, five years ago, if you asked me about work from anywhere, I'd be like, absolutely not. I think mm. the co- I think COVID did affect everybody, but I think I think sort of even nine months ago, going back to the office was daunting. Now people are going back. It's kind of work from home is kind of becoming a distance. So things just yeah. move and shake. You've got to be curious, haven't you? So true. So. And don't you think as well though that when the pandemic hit and everybody was working from home, mm. it was a novelty. It was a new thing. Yeah, of Life had been so busy just you know life has got crazy everyone's busy like you know want to be successful we've got to be busy in the office and we pressed pause when the pandemic hit and i think everyone's telling us like oh this is nice i can work in my pjs or you know i I don't have to worry about commute i'm not spending a fortune on commuting etc that's it we're never going back to the office but I agree. We're yeah. slowly seeing that shift. And even yeah. Apple, I think last week announced that you know, yeah. they're, they're going back three days a week yeah, yeah. because their culture is one of being collaborative and social. Mm. And it's not happening with obviously a work from home workforce. Mm. Totally. So we'll delve into that in a bit more detail. I mean, fascinating conversation. You've obviously got a wealth of experience and knowledge, but I want to know more about Kelly, you, mm-hmm. the person. Okay. human being <laughs> but like I, I ask all my guests this, the same question in this so what, paint the audience a picture of your kind of journey from school to now okay school so I lived I grew up in a very small town well actually before that I went to a Catholic primary school because my dad um, his mum was Polish a very strong Catholic so it was a right. nice little school so I went to a Catholic um, primary school really small a couple of our teachers were nuns so you know learn all about um you know religion and all of that stuff so then I went to our local secondary school so I lived in a town where there was one secondary school and if you live in that town you went to that secondary school that that was kind of the thing you walked to school that's what you did um I am one of three I've got a brother an older brother and a younger sister Mm -hmm. and my parents were just you know normal day everyday parents they both worked really hard to provide for me and my brother and sister Mm -hmm. 
we didn't we weren't really poor but we definitely weren't well off um a lot of my friends I used to see them coming to school like with the latest like night trainers and yeah. at the time it's like Benetton United colors of Benetton right, like right, jumpers okay, yeah, and yeah. Levi jeans and all that and you know I couldn't afford that stuff mm. and my parents couldn't so um love my parents a bit so they worked really hard for us but even I think at that young age I thought I, I want I don't want to be that like mm. you know I want to be able to have yeah. what I want yeah, yeah I'm a really materialistic person as well so I'm not afraid to admit that oh uh, yeah <laughs> um so yeah so I went to secondary school um hated school really didn't like school I was never popular at school I was one of those girls that girls hated why um my mum used to always say it's because they were jealous of me I don't think it's that yeah. I just didn't really fit in with anyone mm. I wasn't one of like the in girls mm. but I wasn't a geek or anything like that I was just kind of okay. like in this middle ground and just didn't I don't didn't really make like friends like uh, over the yeah. years I've definitely softened like for many years I did have like rest in bitch face like so <laughs> my dad used to tell me yeah. off when I used to look at the telly I just used to like scowl and he's like why, why do you look so yeah. grumpy all the time Kelly I was like it's just my face dad um so um yes yeah, so did a levels etc and then yeah. after a levels I got a job. I didn't go to uni. My brother or sister didn't go to uni. It's just not ever something that we talked about in our house. It was kind of, I thought I wanted, or I didn't know what I would do if I went to uni, etc. I didn't even, didn't enjoy school anyway. So I was like, I'm just going to get out. Mm. I also started working from the age of 14. Um, I was babysitting for local um, family and friends because I wanted to earn money. Yeah. And so at 16, I then got a job as a waitress until I was 18. And then at 18, I got a job um, as an administrator for a building society. And I just thought that was great. And I was so excited when I started this job because it was like really corporate. I had like my own desk, my own phone. I could all like dress up and I just bloody loved it. Um, And it was within the HR division. But at that stage, I didn't have any kind of idea what career I wanted or what path Mm. I was going to go down. So I did that for a couple of years. Then I left there and I went to be a PA for a local manufacturing company for one of their directors. I loved that job because I was like organizing stuff right. for him. Yeah. Um, and then when I was doing that, I went through, this is when I was 21 at this time. Mm. And I went for a really bad breakup. And I just took my eye off the ball at work. Like I just, just didn't care. Just didn't give a fuck about going to work. Mm-hmm. I was just like, um, so they were offering redundancies and I, I took it with no idea what I was going to do I was just like I don't want to work which really pissed my dad off so my dad is so traditional in that you, you go you work and you provide and what you know what do you mean taking some time out Kelly like to think about what yeah. you want to do don't, you yeah. don't do that go to work um so <laughs> yeah. I basically like just did nothing for six seven months I went on holiday with a friend one of my friend's mum's lived out in the Gambia All right. she had a, a she helped like uh, she had a guest house and helped local schools and stuff down there so I went mm. out and did some of that with my friend for okay. a bit which is a massive eye opener because of the poverty etc yeah um, and then when I got back my dad was proper on my case like Kelly are you actually going to get a job and I was like yeah sure dad no worries um, so I was registered with a local temping agency and they said oh we've got a job at um, locally it was for a charity locally for a temporary HR administrator, mm. what do you think? And I was like, yeah, sure, because it'll just, it's down, it's on my doorstep. Yeah. It'll shut my dad up. Like, <laughs> I probably should start earning some money because yeah. I'm skimped by now. Yeah. Redundancy money ran out. So I, um, I started there and it's supposed to be six months. And I started as a HR administrator and I left there eight years later. Wow. Yeah. 
So when I started, it was just me and this other girl called Lisa running HR, and we just had the best time because mm. it was this wet wildfire and wetlands trust which is a charity right. and it they don't spend any money on the buildings etc because it's all yeah. about it, preserving the outside so we're basically in a shed for an office just mm. me and her and um we acted like it was back in the day when all personnel files it was called personnel they're not hr yeah. as well they were put in a filing cabinet so our first job oh, okay, was to make sure you. everybody had a file yeah, yeah. in the filing cabinet for their personnel file yeah then we had to do contracts and then I got promoted to look after recruitment. Right. And their recruitment was, because we looked after all of the Wildfire and Winter Trust. So there yeah. was um, eight of them. So it was like mm. over 200 employees. So we were HR, the two of us, for okay. 800 people. Yeah, yeah. So we did all the recruitment. So that's how I know recruitment inside and out, because yeah. I looked after recruitment. L- Lisa then left. And so they asked me if I would stay on. Mm-hmm. So I did, because I was actually quite enjoying it. And then I ended up being promoted to HR manager pretty quickly after a couple of years there. Yeah. So I worked there, I built a team there. Um, yeah, that's where I really got you know my HR career and experience from, what mm. career started experience from. And then in 2007, so I got married in 2006. 2007, I got pregnant with my first son, Zach. And they brought somebody in to maternity cover me. Yeah. And the moment she walked in, I just knew she was after my job. Really? Yeah. Right. Just knew that she was after my job. Okay. Um, so I went off on maternity leave and I still checked in with my team and, and the girls and went in sometimes. But every time I went in, I could just tell things had shifted yeah. a bit. Yeah, and to yeah. be honest with you, it really did affect my me and my maternity leave because mm. I spent the whole time worrying about my job and you know the fact so what sort of things was she doing then to make you think that so she got herself um onto the senior management team yeah. she um was just there was a set remit of things she was going to look after yeah. while I was away and she yeah. just started getting involved in so right. many other things yeah and then um a couple of months before I was due back, my then boss, the head of HR, asked to meet me for a coffee off-site. Mm. So you always know that's not, that's not going to no, go well. No, of course not. Um, so I met him and he said, oh, um, we are going to offer my maternity cover a role. Wow. I went, oh, okay, so what does that mean for my role? We're going to change your role. Yeah. So basically what they were doing is going to bring her in into a senior so HR job, yeah, position, sidestep right. me. Okay. in, And what they did... Because at that point I wasn't CIPD qualified. Yeah. They made it uh, that you that the role, the senior role, Changed had it. to be yeah. CIPD qualified, which she was. So they basically pulled the rug from you. And yeah. Were very disingenuous with that. So yeah. was that a catalyst then for you going? Oh right, I can you almost like that must have felt really difficult, but in a way, was that the launch pad to why you then did your own business? Um, I didn't do my own business at that stage. Mm. At that stage. I, that hit me really hard because yeah. obviously I'm a new mum. Yeah, of course. I thought I was going to go back to this job that I loved. Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah, I've been hit with... And the way this conversation went with the head of HR is a bit like, we're, we're mm. off-site, we're having a coffee. Yeah. But obviously, Kelly, if you don't want to come back, we can talk about that, which basically means, can we pay you off? So they were kind of like being very kind of... on. Very, uh, very... Process-driven policy. They were kind of just telling you that we're doing something dodgy here, but you can't yeah. do anything about it. Yeah, basically. How that, so how did that make... What did, what did you... Did you feel like you was in between a rock and a hard place? Nothing you can really do about that. Yeah, there? because obviously I've been on the other side of it, so I yeah. knew that, that they right. had made the decision and there was nothing I was going to do about it. What it mm. was going to come down to now is how much. 
how much was it going to take to get with me? Um, cried a lot. Um, talked <laughs> yeah. to my husband, um, who was obviously fuming about the whole thing, but also really supportive. Said, "Look, we'll do whatever you want to do. If you want to walk away, just walk away. But you know, if you want to fight them, we'll fight them." So we started to fight them. I got us an employment lawyer um, that I knew for a, I didn't know him, but through a family friend, yeah. and um, we started building a case. But then I was in a really tricky situation because it was obviously costing a lot of money to use yeah. an employment lawyer to, to fight my case. Yeah, of course. I wasn't earning any money at this stage yeah. because um, uh, my maternity leave had run out. Um, and my husband is a financial advisor and his business was changing business model so he was his commission structure was changing so basically we're in shitter's ditch right now we've got mm. a newborn baby mm. and no real money coming in and I've got a solicitor bill that's like you know I mean they, they wouldn't soaring. be able to get do you think they'll still be able, I mean that type of practice does happen in these, mm. this day and age but do you think they'll be able to get aware of that these no. days no what's, what's changed between then and now do you think to stop I happening? think exposure of stuff like this right I think years ago and probably even up to that point nobody really talked about it when I worked at that business the amount of settlement agreements we did was shocking it was like there's a problem it was never like let's let's follow process it was like let's uh, like find out you know let's take the checkbook to this meeting and nine times out of ten people would settle for a really low amount because they thought they had no other choice but nowadays there's court cases you can't you got you got to be whiter than white haven't you (laughs) yeah you really have Mm. and that's what I say to you know to potential clients new clients it's however big you are if you're employing people you yeah. need to make sure you're following process and you've got processes yeah. and, and compliance in place because okay. it will take you a lot of time and money to defend yourself we'll, otherwise we'll go forward mm. on the journey in a minute but a couple of things you said about you know you went to a catholic school non religion you didn't mm. really fit in i mean certainly fitting in um that resonates with me because you know we didn't have much money when i was a child and i always felt a little bit different a little bit inferior mm. and then you mentioned about you had a relationship break up mm. and you you kind of lost your job so to talk to us about those kind of moments i mean how do you think those those events affected you um i think they've made me more resilient when i was um younger i was very shy which i find really hard to believe <laughs> like painfully shy yeah. my mum used to have to literally physically pull me off of her leg to put me on the school bus like at wow. four or five years old because yeah, i didn't yeah. want to leave my mum and i was so scared and I would refuse to go to like friends' birthday parties if my mum wasn't allowed to stay with me, like painfully shy. Yeah, sure. Um, my dad used, used to frustrate the hell out of my dad. So like if I'd get upset about stuff, he'd just be like, for God's sake, Kelly, why are you crying about now kind of yeah. thing. So that always like kind of like affected me, like can't cry, can't cry. Um, mm. And then I just think over time and those sort of things happening, just have, yeah, made me a bit more resilient or just mm. a bit more... So in some ways resilient, but definitely... Yeah. Like, I'm just a person that I just kind of will do what I want to do. Not to, to upset or hurt yeah. anyone else, but I'm kind of like, everyone is on their own journey, everyone has their own life, and when people tell people what they should or shouldn't be doing, it really pisses me off. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, I was watching the news last night. I don't very rarely watch the news because it's just always doom and gloom and it's just awful. And they were talking about euthanasia, and there was a man on there yeah. saying about why people shouldn't be allowed to end their own life. Right, and God, they were yeah. talking about a story about this chap who'd had a stroke and he basically was paralyzed yeah. from the from the neck down. Yeah. And he wanted to end his life because he had no quality of life. Yeah. That man said, he can't do that. I'm like, yeah. who the fuck are you yeah. telling me he can't do that? Yeah, it's absolutely... I mean, you get all that, those kind of people on LinkedIn as well that, where they're so fixed in their mindset, yeah. aren't they? And it's like, 
But going back, going back to some of the things you said mm. about um, when you said you didn't really fit in, you strike me. I, I think entrepreneurs are you're kind of born as an entrepreneur. I mm. think from a very young age you were born and destined to become an entrepreneur. Because I was like, for me, it was a bit like I wasn't really impressed by much. And I, yeah. think, I think I get that impression yeah. with you, even at school and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And nothing kind of really excited you. So what does excite you? And what 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 would you like to say to that? Yeah, I think you're right in terms of I have over the years just always kind of felt disappointed by people mm. or experiences right. to the point where now I'm like well if I'm gonna like have some excitement I'll create it myself so yeah. hence why I'm so I think I'm so driven in HR Star because I get such a buzz out of doing what I do yeah. like I love going in and fixing problems for clients yeah. I love it when a new client has heard about HR Star and they want to work with us it's a massive you know buzz yeah. for me yeah um so yeah I just I don't I just I think I've massively massively changed um, so what did change then from this very shy girl yeah. to someone who's kind of very self-assured and realises actually no one's really better than me that's the vibe I'm getting from you not in a, not an arrogant way but in a, in a good way in a, in a confident way yeah. I, think, I think as an entrepreneur yeah. and business owner mm. whatever you're doing I think you have to have an element of I'm not any um, worse than so I might be better than other people but not thinking you're inferior I think um, yeah when I was growing up I had to conform a certain way because of the family yeah. that I grew up in because of the schools I went to etc yeah. and probably to a point until I had my own independence through obviously reaching adulthood through earning money etc so I always felt I had to kind of like I was put in a box or I had to kind of do yeah. as I was told yeah and I'm not very good with that no. and I think it just took through the journey through obviously starting HR star through you know just having to build a business I've just yeah. become more confident and just more do you know this is how I think and feel and that's Brilliant. all right that's just what I'm going to be in, in a funny sort of way you know the religion and, and the nun and all that kind of stuff it kind of like in, in, a, in a way it probably made you even more determined not to be that sometimes yeah. that happens doesn't it where yeah you know, your parents are so strict, you go literally the other way yeah. anyway. Yeah. I mean, if I look at how I parent my boys, so different to how, yeah. how my parents parented me. Mm. So different. Um, and I'm not saying my parents were wrong and I'm right. It's just very different. Like, I yeah. try and let my children find their own way and have their personality. Obviously, there's boundaries and, you know, we yeah. discipline them. But not nowhere near to the scale that my parents did with me. So talk to me about kind of any real anxiety or dark times that you've, you've been through. Um, a couple that I can think of. So when I talked about my relationship breaking down, that was when I was 21. Mm -hmm. So when I was 21, my boyfriend at the time and I had this on-off relationship and I found out I was pregnant mm -hmm. and he wanted me to have a termination. Right. And I really struggled with that. Even though I knew at 21, that wasn't a good decision to start a family. We, we were in a very, very like, um, you know, yeah. um, very very bad relationship um and my dad also really wanted me to have a termination wow yeah and this i think is a turning point as well for like my fuck it attitude mm. in terms of it was an awful time i obviously had the termination yeah um I, it was dark after that i, I got severely uh like I, I say depressed but just I lost like loads of weight. I just really went into myself because I yeah. just felt awful about it. Not so much the termination because women have termination all the time and I'm like pro, like people do what again, what they need yeah, to do yeah. and then people yeah, have yeah. reasons for everything. Mm -hmm. But I think it was the way that I felt so pressured into I had to do it. And I think 
after that, I remember coming home and I couldn't even look at my dad. I was just like, fuck you. Like, yeah, you know. Feel you to dictate yeah. to me. And, and you know, and it didn't long-term affect my relationship with my dad, but it, it did, I remember thinking after that, it's like, I will never be in this position again where I'm being mm. told as an adult what I have to do. Like, yeah. I'll make my own choices about myself. Yeah. And, um... I think that was a massive turning point. And then okay. after I had my second child, I got postnatal depression. Right. When I had my first child, he was a dream baby. It was a dream. And so I could do, I kind of bossed it. It was all fine. <laughs> so I thought, I oh, know, let's have another child. That's a good idea. And then we had another child and he was the total opposite. Yeah. But I didn't want to admit that I was struggling. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm all right with that now, as in admitting if I can't do something. Back then, yeah. so he's 11, when he was born, I could not admit that I, I was like, I couldn't I couldn't cope with him. Yeah. And I had really dark thoughts about him that I didn't want to tell people. Okay. Like, I just wish I never had you because yeah. you're an absolute bloody nightmare. And obviously he was another boy and I wanted a girl and I'm right, right, therapy okay. about this. Sure. Um, so yeah. um, I had to post that depression and that was dark times. So that massively mm. affected my marriage. What else did you have therapy about? My marriage. Mm-hmm. Because uh, of the effect that um, postnatal depression had on my marriage, mm. then as I started becoming more career focused, that affected my marriage. So we had to in, therapy. In over what that. way, though? Um, my husband really struggled with me at times choosing HSR over my children. Wow! And I did do that mm. because sometimes I find find it easier to be at work running HSR than I did to be at home being a mum. That's a, a common trap, though, whether you're a man or a woman, right, to, to sometimes put that career first. But, I mean, how did that dynamic play out? Was he not a career person as well? Yeah, or? so he's really, like, he's got a really successful career. Yeah. But I think he just was like, well, I can provide, so you don't need to do this. You can... You, yeah, so do you think it was a, a an ego thing, perhaps? Mm, yeah, I do. What's yeah. your view on this? Because it, it's, it's a subject around kind of, like, you know, equity, equality, and all that kind of stuff, and... You know, I think up until recently, men have got a lot, have got away with a lot of mistreatment of women. Mm. What's your general view of what men could be better at in the workplace and in general, well, and their I husbands think, as well? Yeah, I think it's telling, isn't it, that they introduced shared parental leave, however many years ago it was, and the percentage of actually men who do do the the main share of maternity leave, in effect, is like so low. I don't know the extent. Right, the extent okay. yeah. I think it's telling because I think it's sure. still very much expected that the woman does yeah. that. And I do Which think... Which is nonsense. It is nonsense. Yeah. And I do yeah. still think there's this massive expectation yeah. that women will pause their careers or go back part-time when they have kids and yeah. that their focus should be looking after the children. Yeah. I, I even seen it from my own friends and family when I was doing it. And I was working, like, long hours. Mm. And, re- and, you know, my husband was looking after the children. They would always be like, oh, God, isn't he good being at home looking after the children? <laughs> and I'd be like, would you be saying the same, though, yeah. if it was the roles reversed? And I was totally. at home looking after them and he was out working all the time. Would you be like, oh, aren't you good, Kelly? Yeah, to be yeah. looking after your kids yeah. it's like when husbands and the men say I'm babysitting my kids like, you don't babysit well, your you own kids they're your <laughs> fucking kids yeah, I know I know so how <laughs> I'm going to tell you passionate about that how, how, <laughs> how did you get through that kind of that sort of difficulty then with him sort of being a bit put out by you actually living your life and living your uh, lots of yeah the therapy and then lots of talking mm. lots of talking and to the point where I was just really brutally honest. Like my career is really important to me, and yeah. I am going to pursue, you know, building a business. But you know, I want to do that with you and the kids. But we have to find a way to make it work that I can do that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was tricky, tricky times. Mm. Okay, so um, 
let's go forward a bit now. So you obviously you had the the brown envelope conversation about how much do you want to get out. What what materialised since then? Um, so after that, um, we finally sat on a figure. I left, um, and then I went to then I was trying to find a HR manager role part time because I was like I only want to go back part time. Mm -hmm. You know, Zach's really young. I don't want to work full time. Um, I got offered a great HR manager role yeah. for a really like well-known great company, but I had to turn it down because they wouldn't flex on the hours. Mm -hmm. um, and it was in Bristol, which would have been you know a decent trek for me, but it was a six p.m. finish, and they just wouldn't oh, right. wouldn't flex on that. Yeah. And I was like, but if I do that, I'll never like get because that was full time. So at that point, I was like, well, if I'm gonna have to take a full time job, I'm gonna have to take a full time job. Yeah. But they wouldn't like be flexible on, on that. And I was like, well, I'll never get home and see my son in the evenings and stuff. Mm. So I had to turn that down. And then I found a role, a HR manager, part-time for a six-month contract, setting up a HR department. And that's something I'd always wanted to do at that stage, like go yeah. in and just set up a HR department. Yeah. So I took that role. Um, it was um, a right trek from where I lived. I was like, well, it's a good opportunity. So I'll just do it six months. I can do this for six mm. months. Mm. And then I stayed there for eight years. So I um, was at the HR department. They asked me to stay. They then moved the business um, to Cheltenham, which is where I then started HR staff. Yeah. So I worked for them as their HR business partner. And I did that for eight years. And then I got to the stage where that's when I wanted to do something different. And yes. they, they saw that and they knew that. So they actually approached me and said, if you set up your own business, we'll support you because we oh, don't want to lose you. Yeah. We'll be your first client and you can use our office space. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, amazing. Yeah, Let's do not? this. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I did. Okay. Yeah, and that was where HR Star was born. So how long how long has the business been going then and what's, what have you achieved? So the business is just over seven and a half years old. Um, I have a team of seven. Um, nice. Yeah. It's not been plain sailing though, because let me tell you, um, ups and downs in terms yeah. of trying to build a team. I'm really particular about how I like things done. Mm. I am really driven. I do have high standards. So um, you mentioned you mentioned uh, you've got seven employees, and only one of them is male. Why is that? HR is a predominantly uh, female-led industry. So why do you think that is? Um, good question. Why do I think that is? Maybe because of the whole perception of it being fluffy and being there mm. to be like the mum of like the employees, etc. Mm. But yeah, and and um, Christian, who's in my team, he actually looks after our recruitment side of the business. So he doesn't. He's not in HR. In in if you like, he's in yeah. you know the recruitment side, which he's he's amazing at. But yeah. But do you not think it's a society or education thing where men are taught not to kind of do these softer skills yeah. and talk, and when women are, and it's just, it's a product of that. Where actually, I think there's a lot of women that make great leaders as, as opposed to men. A lot of men could do a lot of the these HR roles probably better than women sometimes, mm -hmm. I think, because there's different aspects to masculine and feminine energy. And I think it's, I think we're still, so that's a, that's a good example. I think on both sides, I think there's, there's, we're stereotyped into certain roles. I think that's wrong. Yeah, no, I agree. So when, and I've been asked this question before. So yeah. when I put out a picture of my team, because it's all female, this yeah. is before Christian joined us, and I got people asking, well, you're not very diverse. Why do you only have females in your <laughs> yeah, team? I was like, well, we don't, actively like recruit that way but yeah. we just don't have males apply right for the role the job, guess, or the right know. male apply right. for the role so mm. i'm not going to put somebody in my team just to tick a box right on diversity 
um, if they're not right in terms of for the role. So I, I, but I don't think many men would apply, less men would apply for a HR role because mm. of the stigma yeah. attached, I think. So I think. I know very few HR professionals who are male. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who work in HR. And so, yeah, so few are male. So in your marriage, in your business, in your life, what have you fucked up on or with? <laughs> it's a long list. Just today or this week? Yes. <laughs> um, okay, in business, like many, many things. Um, when I, not long after I started the business, I hired a girl who was a good friend of mine and we were really good friends. So I worked with her yeah. at my previous um, employers and we mm -hmm. became good friends there. And then when she wanted to leave there, I said, you can come and work for me. Mm -hmm. And she worked for me for three years and she and I did everything together from like working in the business together, socializing together. Yeah. Um, and I became complacent in terms of, oh, she'll never leave. It'll be fine. Um, I was going through like a tricky like time at home like this was when like stuff was going on at home so I probably did like put on her quite a lot to do stuff within the business right. but also I took my eye off the ball in terms of not really checking like what she yeah. was or wasn't doing etc yeah and then um, it got it came to a head when she then told me she was leaving so she was like a, a shareholder, a business partner? No, oh, right. thankfully oh, okay. she wasn't. Right. We had discussed it, it was something we were going to do, but never put it into place. So you were just to recap on that, is you're, you're personally 100% shareholder? Yes. So this person is a good friend, but just a... Just, yeah, right, but, okay. but an integral part of my business yeah, at this course. stage. Right. So she then sits down and says she's leaving. And she tells me she's leaving because uh, she wants some time out the role's been like a lot really stressful and yeah. she'd been for a breakup and started a new relationship and she wanted some time out to figure out what she was going to do mm -hmm. as it then unraveled a couple of months after that she was setting up her own business and was actively trying to poach my clients wow yeah okay. that was tough what did you do um i i was so hurt by that for me, if I was thinking, if she can do that to me, anyone mm. can do anything to anyone. Absolutely. So now when I'm advising clients, if they say to me, oh, we don't need to write about giving Bob a contract because Bob was fine. Oh, and I'm like, no, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you never know what, how people are going to ever react no. and do what they're going to do to you. Um, so it just, um, and it kept unraveling in terms of like, mm. she'd already have active conversations with clients, like two of my clients left to go to her because yeah. she had been managing their relationships. Yeah. Um, it was awful I had to like get solicitors involved it was just horrendous mm. it was really dark time and do you know what I then had a real wobble with HR star as in do I really want to do this yeah because this is hard and yeah. I don't know my just my love for it all just like kind of went at that point and I was just like what was, what was the motivation then because this is the purpose-led leadership podcast and I bang on about purpose like on a mm. hourly basis because I think it's fundamental to your life success fulfillment and joy but why why did you why are you doing what you're doing because ultimately i love what i do as i said like i love so when i was younger i had a job the my first job which i really didn't like and the same at school i didn't like it so mm. i used to have like the sunday night dread and like literally live for the weekend yeah. and just hate being at work and i just think we spend so much of our time at work yeah. why why would you want to not be happy at work? Like yeah. surely the, the, the purpose is to go to work and really enjoy what you're doing and feel like you're making a difference and feel like you're getting something from it. All those things that obviously feed into employee engagement. But on the flip side, yeah. if I'm a business owner, 
I don't want people coming into my team who are lazy or not productive no. or have taken loads of time off sick or, you know, my turnover is really high. So I want to like create a culture where people are really engaged because yeah. well, I know from experience, it makes a much better place to be when you, right. for business and for work. So that's what I do, why I do what I do because yeah. I love it when a business owner will say to me, and I really need your help with this stuff and I can help them and we'll just, yeah. you know, I, I feel like for some of my clients, like my business leaders, I am literally like a shoulder for them to cry because they're like, oh, this is going yeah. wrong, like what can we do? And then when I'm able to put things into place and we see that, you know, the results from that, I love it. Mm. What's, your, what's your view on when people say people before profit? Because I, 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 I get that to an extent, but you said you like material things and I like material things as well. well I've changed my tack on that, but... What's your general general thought around kind of, you know, rewarding yourself and all that kind of stuff as a business owner? I think it's really important. You know, I pay myself. I don't necessarily pay myself really, really well, but I do pay myself well enough to have, you know, a good mm. life and to make it worthwhile, like what I'm doing. Because what, you know, some people, and this is another controversial topic about hustle culture, etc. My My thought on that is, yeah you don't get anything for nothing. So HR star hasn't, you know, got to where it is today by me just working nine to five and just, you know, playing at it. I have worked my fucking ass off for HR star. I've worked really, really long hours. Yeah. I still do when I need to. Yeah. I still will shelter my team to a point from some of that and I'll take it on myself mm. if, to get stuff done. Yeah. I will still like go above and beyond for all of my clients because I want to do an amazing job for them. Yeah. And it is, continual plates being in firefighting all those other you know phrases but it is that so i'm not doing all of that then to have no money in the bank no. so you know it's like when i got a new car recently so i i drive a nice car so i got my new car and the people some people will say oh look at you and your new car it's yeah like, yeah i work really hard for it yeah it's usually the people that have never run a business or yeah. would have no concept of running a business yeah. isn't it and that's what that, yeah. that, that does frustrate me because i think it's a big chasm or dichotomy from someone who can uh, judge someone for, for being a CEO and actually being a CEO or an entrepreneur is, is is not all glitz and glamour is it? No it is definitely not all glitz and glamour and there's I on the whole I love it but there's definitely days I'm like oh my god why am I doing this again because like yeah. it just feels like you're on this never ending cycle of like working hard and something goes then it goes really well for a while and then something happens and it's like shit for a while and then it goes really good again so how have you I mean the, I mean, the other ingredient to that is that I'm an entrepreneur of NED and I've got three kids podcast host as well apparently you know it's like where do I fit in but whatever it's not about me it's about you how did you how how have you built that business and looked up and been a mother and been a wife and all, mm. all the other stuff you've got to do so in the early days when I was growing HR star I probably wasn't a very good mother and wife I'll admit that I probably wasn't okay. because I did focus on my business because I found more joy if you like and find it easier to do that I struggled with yeah. three young kids and just the whole yeah you know life of dealing and managing and bringing up three young kids and obviously yeah. a husband etc so for a long time I could you know on now looking back I don't think I was a very good wife and mother for a long time do you feel guilty about that or 
I do sometimes because I think, God, my poor kids, like I had them. And was then... it kind of just like a lack of quality time with them? Or... Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was never, like, I never mistreated them. They always yeah. had what they needed I'm and they sure, were well yeah, looked yeah. after, but yeah. it wasn't necessarily was by me looking after them. So it'd be my husband or my right. mum or my sister, etc. And yeah, I probably didn't spend, you know, as much quality time. Like sometimes I would choose yeah. to go out for drinks after work on a Friday night with my mate rather than go home and see the kids. What's your view on mental health? Because I mean, I'm a mental health first aid, a mental health advocate. I've talked about my own mental health and I've very, been very open about it. But I've also gone the other way whereby I think some people play that mental health card mm. way too quickly, way mm. too easily. What's your view on that? I I agree. I 100% believe that obviously people have mental health um, yeah. issues, etc. Um, but I do think you're right, as in it's an easy card sometimes to play as a kind of get out of jail card. And people, I think, employ employees sometimes think they can't be touched if they play that card so i'm dealing with two um situations same same client two separate situations performance issues but both are now saying they've got mental health issues which is why their performance you know has been Mm. an issue and why they now can't then come all of a sudden and in and talk about the issues and how we can resolve them because their mental health is not, you know, letting them... Well, this, I think this is why HR is really important because I don't, I don't think the average leader has any grasp of how to deal with that kind of issue. No, they don't, which is why um, I think, you know, people like you are so important. So mm. L&D is, you know, sits, I suppose, within HR. Yeah. So does, um, you know, mental health first aid. But I think it's something that needs actually people who are trained professionals or trained you know experts in it to, to yeah. deliver on that stuff I, I can do I can do obviously check-ins with employees and I can f- figure yeah. if they, there is something that needs flagging with someone like yourself and I can support yeah. but not to you know depend it only goes so far of then course. I think you yeah, need yeah. to hand that over to somebody who does know so we're coming towards the end let's just go back quickly we, we kind of didn't finish off the bit where your friend was kind of nicking mm. all your IP what happened um, so I I did kind of like fight it for a little bit. That's one thing about me as well. Like I I I, I, yeah. I never used to be competitive, but I am nice. So I don't like to lose. So I was like, well, I'm not losing this. So I did. Um, she only took two clients. One was where her boyfriend worked, and they then sacked her after a while. I heard anyway. Right. Okay. Um, and the other was a client she'd been managing for me. So I kind of just. Um, yeah, we there was legal stuff happening, but yeah, yeah, we. I, so at one point, I had to draw a line under it and say, okay, I've stopped her for twelve months going after any of my clients, so that's fine for me because yeah. my view is, if in twelve months time she knocks on one of my clients' doors and they want to go with her, then I've obviously not done my job well, so that's fine. Mm. Um, and then I think it just made me just be more savvy in terms of how I run my business. So yeah. I have good relationships with my team, yeah. but I there's always the line there has to be. Is there any particular example, like a HR issue that's come up in your career that's been kind of really difficult, really challenging or really controversial you can point to? Yeah, so there's obviously like the day-to-day performance stuff um, that yeah. we deal with, performance issues, uh, re- re- redundancies, re- you know, restructures, etc. Mm. Um, so I um, had a grievance land on my desk a few years ago, um, somebody claiming bullying and harassment against one of the senior leaders. Right. So I had to obviously investigate that. And as we were investigating, it then escalated into a sexual harassment situation. Right, okay. So that was a really tricky one because mm. obviously it was really sort of sensitive information that was yeah. being shared. And um, you're dealing with senior leaders and the business owners were quite 
old school if you like as in but that's just the way we do things around here and yeah. trying to sort of say to yeah. them like that's not okay mm. um so they're they're tricky ones to deal with i mean something you know, the, the word bullying and and harassment i mean sometimes these terms can be thrown around quite loosely but when they are um actually put in as a claim they are serious as anything because you yeah. can some some of it can be not imprisonment but it can be quite yeah. well it can be can't it actually? yeah yeah really serious stuff and yeah. And it's just also all the other sort of damage around it in terms of reputational damage, um, obviously mm. the impact it then has on, because people yeah. talk and people find out like on the people who are in the business. And that's one thing I always say to yeah. my clients, when you're dealing with something that is you know like that, a grievance, yeah. um, a, a performance issue or a redundancy, always also think about how you're gonna continue to like engage the team that are left behind. It's the aftermath, isn't it? Mm. You know, um, even if you're, even if the person is proved to be kind of innocent it's kind of there's the character deformation things all that yeah. kind of, there's so much this is why you're what you're doing i think is really valuable and really important i think people don't realize the impact no. this has and things like a toxic environment in in the workplace can it takes a couple of years for people to recover from that kind of stuff there's, yeah. there's so much to, to consider isn't there in, in this kind of field definitely yeah so um what's your proudest moment mm. So obviously, um, aside from having my three lovely children, obviously, um, probably I would say that HR Star has come out of the pandemic in a really, really good, you know, strong position, better than it yeah. was when we went into it. Yeah. That I worked throughout the pandemic. I didn't furlough my team. I could have part furloughed them because workload obviously did drop, but we just used that time to really focus on our list of things that we need to do for HR yeah. Star. And we just worked throughout it. And yeah, like I say, came out and I'm really proud of what HR Star is now. And I think if we hadn't have had that pause moment, you know, if I can try and find a positive from, from, from the pandemic, that would definitely be it. And I'm really proud of my team and really proud of HR Star. That's really, really good. What's one thing or things that people might have misunderstood about you or misunderstand about you, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think people think that, especially obviously from like, you know, some of the comments I, I get on, on LinkedIn, mm. that I'm obviously really driven and really opinionated and that I'm quite harsh, but I'm not. Like, I'm quite soft. Like, I, you know, like I said, when I was young, I was really emotional about everything. And I think... Mm. I think people sometimes don't see that side or realise that, that, you know, there is that side to me, definitely. When was the last time you, you cried about something? Oh, I cry all the time. All oh, right, like, last, oh. like lo yesterday or something. Yeah, like, I will literally cry okay. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But do you feel that, um, you, I'm, I'm sure you saw the CEO crying on LinkedIn. Yeah. What's your view on that kind of thing? <laughs> Oh, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I get it in terms of CEOs can have a really tough gig in terms of it's hard yeah. isn't it? I mean, to make those decisions. But I always think, well, that probably wasn't a decision that he made on his own or probably didn't execute that decision on his own. HR probably had to carry out the actual, uh, right. you know, getting rid of yeah. the employees, having those tough conversations. Yeah, that's true. And I think, yeah, it's good in some ways that we should share that we're human and how we feel. But I mm. do think there is a point where it's like, 
maybe that stuff is for behind you know closed yeah. doors but what i don't agree with is when people do choose to share stuff on linkedin yeah. if people just start you know oh. slating oh them God. and being really unkind so i've had a few unkind comments on some of my posts yeah, yeah. for me i do still stand by if you can't say anything nice then don't say anything totally. at all but also you might not agree with what i'm saying and that's fine i don't agree with everything that i see on linkedin but i don't then feel the need to have to say something really like unkind i mean we're both similar on linkedin we've both got a good mm following i mean i i used I, it's only up until a couple of months ago that i wasn't i wasn't affected by it so um, i'm not affected by it now but i used to kind of almost respond to every comment that feels if i had to justify which i think is sometimes a human nature thing where there's 95 percent of great and there's five percent of bad and i focus on the bad what's your view on that kind of stuff what's your yeah. what's your reaction to bad comments yeah so similar to you so when they first started i'd be like really like upset by it or pissed yeah. off by yeah. it thinking i need to like explain myself yeah. and now i just kind of let it go over my head i'm totally. i'm not gonna be liked by everybody that's mm. okay i don't like everybody mm. and not everyone's gonna agree with what i'm saying and i don't agree with what everyone else is saying but yeah, yeah. so yeah i do just let it go over my head because I think if you don't and I'm sure you would agree you could just easily just like take so much of it to heart and really and yeah, then start spiraling into oh my god everyone hates me oh my god it's awful maybe yeah. I should be so open on LinkedIn etc and I think exactly. um yeah I think most people would just scroll on and, and we just have to kind of be the same I think well it's you know just someone's opinion isn't it definitely sort of two more questions then so or maybe three I always say that and there's always another one <laughs> um if you could turn back yourself to 18 years old what would you do differently Oh, wow. Um, start sooner. Start HR star sooner. Right. Yeah. I wish I'd started it sooner. What? Why didn't you? Was Do you think that was the way? That... I did have a bottle. And I think if it wasn't for my employee at the time coming to me saying, look, we know you want to do this. We'll support you. Yeah. I don't know if I would have done it. Ah, interesting. Or it would have done it then. But, but um, now you've done it, you're like, what, oh, why didn't I do I it sooner? Do anything. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Definitely. I wish I'd done it sooner. Sometimes, isn't it? I think we talk about self, no one's self-made. We always get leg ups or mm. little, you know, people helping us along the way. And I think it's really, really important to be aware of that, isn't it? Yeah, I do. I think when you see all these people like on 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 social media, like yeah. literally, like, I was an overnight success. No, yeah. he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't. Like no, very like yeah, who's yeah. an overnight success? Everybody has to like work hard, or yeah. some, or you've or something's happened. A door's been opened for you. So in the past, some of the yeah. clients that I've worked for, they're running really successful businesses. You think, oh my god, that's amazing. They're really young, and then you yeah. find actually it's just been given to them by their parents. Oh, totally. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're like walking around as if they're King Kong. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what pisses you off in general? Um, what pisses me off? Incompetent people, like just people who are not like good at getting shit done. Yeah. Like, how, do you, how do you handle that? Oh. You're quite straight. Mm, I have to sometimes bite my tongue. You a take your bit. HR hat off and just go. Yeah, I just have to be what the like. Fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that. Yeah. Um, so no, I try and be a bit more diplomatic. But I just, yeah. I love efficient people and people who just are really good at what they do and just get shit done. Yeah. So when people don't or when people don't do anything to try and learn about something or be better or just mm. i don't know like just a bit of like lazy yeah, yeah. people I, th I think being a leader or hr person or whatever i think it's about knowing which leadership hat to wear to when and to whom and yeah and i i, I believe in the power of vulnerability but also there's been some narrative on linkedin about being vulnerable for the sake of it being too vulnerable as a leader in your what you do have you ever shown vulnerability what's your thoughts on it 
Um, I suppose, because obviously what I'm doing, you know, involves working with people. So I think sometimes you have to show a bit of vulnerability because sometimes you're dealing with vulnerable people, you know, when people Mm. are obviously in in certain situations. So to a degree, and I, and again, I, you know, it's all this stuff about people now want to be able to be their, their, you know, their whole selves and all of that stuff. And again, that's okay to a point, I think, but there's also a place I think for when you have to be. Step up and be a leader. Yeah, a leader. And, you know, and I say to my team, I will treat you as adults and I will give you autonomy and I will let you make your own decisions. But if you fuck something up, I am going to bollock you. Of course. You have to have those boundaries, <laughs> otherwise it's like, oh, you know, well, you know, I lost that client, but oh, it's all right. You know, yeah, you're, you're like, vulnerable today, no, so it's fine. Yeah. No, it's not all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, so I think it's about there still has to be, yeah, yeah. like you say, those boundaries, or there's, and also if you're a, you're a leader, you have to lead, and yeah. part of leading will sometimes be telling people yeah. they've done a shit job. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, not as directly as that. No, no, that's fine. That's good. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, for the first time we've met, I think it's been a very, very um, good conversation. Yeah, definitely. If there was one thing you could leave the audience with, what would it be? Oh, God. Um, I think in terms of, like, from a personal point of view, then just, you know, go for whatever you want. Like, be be bold, be brave with stuff. Yeah. Um, what's the worst that's going to happen? Um, from a professional point of view, like, do not underestimate the importance of investing and in looking after your people. Mm-hmm. It will make or break a business. Absolutely love that. Well, absolute pleasure. And before we do go, where can people find you the most easily? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, Kelly Tucker on LinkedIn, or you can check us out um, at HR Star um, website um, and also other social media platforms. Kelly, an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Chris. It's been a pleasure. The Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash chrisoconnell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.